Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. All right, good morning. I'm glad to see all of you here today. Let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of John, book of Gospel of John, chapter 12. Today I want to talk to you about the matters of the heart, especially when it comes to our attitudes. And uh, we're going to look at uh, some people in a story It's a familiar story, I think, to to most of you, but we're going to focus on four people who are named in this passage of Scripture and learn something about their attitude, learn something about their place, their personality here in this passage of Scripture. You know, when when you're reading about people in the Scriptures, sometimes you have a tendency to distance yourself from them and just almost read it as if it's a script rather than it's life. These are things that actually happen and so really, it's more than just reading about them. You're really reading about you and me because in, we're all humans. So we all feel the same way, even though they're centuries before us, yet we have so much likeness in that way. We have human nature. And so they very much felt the same things that you feel today and, and uh, vice versa. So uh, I want you to just, today, we're going to pull some things out from the scripture and help apply it to our life and help us see ourselves and, and hopefully better ourselves today. Amen. Amen. You know, that's what, that's what coming, coming to church, I'm fully convinced what coming to church does for you, betters your life. I know it's done that for me. Um, it's done that for me. It, it's saved my life, actually. And I'm grateful to God for the church. I'm grateful to God for the regular gathering because there's, there's a lot more things that happen than we can really realize and things that we see. It's that consistency um, that, that helps keep you from, from dangers un, unknown or avoid certain traps and pitfalls that, that you wouldn't know that you were avoiding until you got out of church. And it's easy. It's easy, to, it's easy to get out of church. And I'm talking to you. You're in church. So you can say, oh, thank God I'm here today. But, but it's, it's an easy thing to get out of. And I want, I want to just shore you up in it and just and encourage you in just that regular always being there because you, you know, you can't know what's going to happen in life, but you can know what the Word of God promises you, and that it will be that steady in your life, no matter what the inconsistencies may be that you face, because you will face inconsistencies. You will face trouble. You know, in this world, as I told you before, welcome to the world and welcome to the war, right? The fact that you live on planet Earth means you're going to find trouble, but that's not the end. Thank God that's not the end. Jesus said, in this world you have trouble. But he didn't stop right there. He said, but be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. All right, I've overcome. I give you the victory. All right, so the way the world is, you're either, you either just got out of a problem or coming out of trouble or you're in it right now or you're going into it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Aren't you encouraged today? Yeah. Woohoo! Huh? No, we, but, but we, have the, we have the sure thing. As problems come and go, we have the sure thing, that steady, constant, present help in our God. I thank God that he is on our side. Aren't you grateful to God that he's on your side today? He's on your side. Say it. Say he's on my side. He's with you. He's for you. He loves you. He chose you. Amen. He forgave you. Well, I didn't deserve it. Duh. Nobody deserved it, but he gave it to us anyway. That's, that's what grace is. Huh? That's, that's the beauty of grace. 
It's you getting what God wants to give you, despite you. (laughs) Amen. Where was I? John chapter 12. Let's read verse 1. John chapter 12, or from my Hispanic friends here, Juan. I don't know how to say chapter. Don't know how to say 12. Dulce? Is that dulce? Okay. Well, all right, I'm sorry. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead. Lazarus was there, who had been raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard. I'm guessing that's how you say that. Spikenard. That's how we'd say it in Texas, isn't it? (laughs) Anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Verse 4, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this... Why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. This guy's pretty, pretty brave, right? He is walking around with the son of God stealing money from him. I mean, if you're going to steal from somebody, isn't Jesus somewhere way down on the list? (laughs) He's he's going to figure that out, I think. Yeah, he knew. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have with you always, but me you do not have always. Father, thank you for your blessing upon this message and upon these people today. Lord, I pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ to be upon your people, the eyes of their understanding being enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling, what is the glory of the riches of their inheritance, of your inheritance, Lord, in the saints. And Lord, what is the exceeding greatness of your power toward us who believe. Thank you now, God, for blessing this time together. And I pray, Lord, that our lives truly will be better because that's what your word does for us. It makes us better. It brings up our level of living to a better way. We think better thoughts. We say better words because of your word. We live a better experience. And Lord, we invite your word to to have its effect in our lives today. We want your life, God. We want what you came to give us. We want to live in the realities of your promises, God. So we invite you here now. Say, speak to us. Reveal to us today. Illuminate our hearts. Thank you, Lord. So that when... We leave here today, we'll leave changed. Never the same. In Jesus' name, amen. So we see some characters here in, uh, that are named. We have Lazarus, we have Judas, we have Mary, we have Martha. Of course, Jesus is there. When you read some of the other gospel accounts, you actually find out that all the disciples were there. But Judas is specifically named because Judas... Judas' father, Simon, is the one throwing the dinner, all right? So he's the son of this house, and and so that's why Judas is specifically named. 
because uh, in, one, in one version it says that all the disciples murmured about this, what Mary did. But John, I mean, is this John? Yeah, John clears it up and tells us specifically who was the voice. All right, so they're not all innocent. Not all the disciples are innocent. They're all kind of in agreement with Judas, and I think we might find ourselves a little bit like that from time to time. Because that's the first person I want to talk about in this, in this uh, story here is Judas. Judas has an attitude of criticism. He's, he's looking for things, or he's watching for things that he can correct. Yeah, you know that person in your life? Do you have that person in your life? Or maybe you're that person in everybody else's lives. <laughs> looking for something to correct. If they would just ask me, I could show a better way. Come on, moms and dads. Huh? He's watching for things, and, and it bothers him to see people doing it the way he would not do it, and them not doing it the way he would do it. We know from the scripture that Judas is the treasurer, as it says, the thieving treasurer. So Jesus apparently, uh, he put Judas over the money because Judas was probably somewhat of an accountant. By, especially by what he said there. And how many, do we have any accountants here today? You can raise your hand. Well, I'm not going to blast you. I thank God for you, especially this time of year. It's tax season. Everybody needs an accountant in the next few days, right? Uh, thank God for an accountant. But the accountant has they have a, a way of thinking, right? And this is so beyond me. I wish I thought more like an accountant at times. But, and they think along the lines of, Whatever is economically efficient. Hmm? So this happens. Mary comes in and she pours out this very costly oil. She pours out this very costly oil on Jesus' feet. And the accountant gets his book out and says, why this waste? This is wasteful because according to my numbers, and he's punching his calculator, and uh, he's... He said, uh, okay, that's worth 300 denarii. Now, you have to understand what 300 denarii is worth uh, about that time was, was about a year's wages, all right? A whole year's salary. And, and so a man got paid one denarius for one day's work, okay? So this thing's worth 300, a year's salary, and she just dumps it on Jesus' feet. You can understand why the accountant's going a little bit crazy here. All right, he's ticked off. Why this waste? He says. He says this could we could have fed the poor with this. And scripture says not that Judas cared for the poor. Remember, because he's a thief. All right. What did Judas care about? He cared about that money. That's what he cared about. And he says that's worth three hundred dollars. We could have taken care of. We could have taken care of a lot of poor people for a month. We could have fed a bunch of them for a whole month. Instead, he pours it out all over his feet like it's nothing. This is inefficiency. So we know Judas has got a bad attitude. And we know that about Judas because we know the story. We know the whole story. We know that Judas Judas is the one that betrayed him. But in this moment, he's not there yet. He hasn't betrayed Jesus. He's still in good standing. He's one of the the 12 disciples. And he's seen um, amongst many, many people as one that is in leadership. But how many of you know leaders can fall? Right, And what's eating at him is this critical spirit, this critical attitude. He's, with, he's been with Jesus three plus years, and he's still critical. 
How is it that he can see the things that he has seen and still be critical? He's walked and talked with Jesus. He's seen Jesus do mighty miracles, raise people from the dead. He just saw Lazarus get raised from the dead. He's in the house with that guy. And Judas is critical. He's looking at the punching the numbers still. He can't even see the miracles around him because he has put himself in a critical cocoon. But you know, before we just jump all over Judas and talk about what a jerk he is, we might just check ourselves here. Because I know that I can be this way from time to time, and I think that we'll all relate, especially in a church. Especially in a church. You know, if you have any kind of experience in church life, you can, you can be very tempted to be critical. Yeah. Like, you know, when you, when, you, when you leave our church and you go somewhere else, <laughs> and then you realize how good you have it here. Being raised in church, and, and especially as a pastor's kid, you just find things to, to do. I'm just, before we had phones and electronic devices, we had hymnals and offering envelopes to tear up and write on. Or we would just sit and count how many times the preacher said one word over and over again, and I'd sit there and tally mark. What'd you learn today, son? He said, uh, 75 times in his message today. <laughs> I didn't know I was preparing myself to teach homiletics. <laughs> so, but you just, but you can become a critic. You know what I'm talking about? Like when the worship team, like John, and she, she doesn't always do this. Actually, she never does, really. <laughs> Why are they singing that chorus 15 times? <laughs> Why do we have to keep saying, well, can we move on? Huh? If I, was, if I was that guy, I would have said that, I would have said that a different way. Or why do they have to play with the distorted guitar? Why do they have to have that rock and roll there? Or those drums are so loud. Well, God likes it loud. Amen. He does. Um, read the description of heaven sometime. It says that, that uh, about the throne room in the book of Revelation, it's extremely loud. And it sounds a bit obnoxious, to be honest with you. I mean, it's, it's, it says that there's thunder and lightning, right? And, and it's just, whoa, it's loud, it's loud. I, my denominational friends, they're going to they're gonna have a hard time adjusting. I can just say that right now. They're, they're just going to be like, whoa, 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 what is all this? We're the, no, we're, we're very private. We lift one hand. That's as high as we go right there. That's, that's all we're going to give right there. And we certainly don't talk in tongues. That's why I like being a part of a church like this because we're kind of practicing for heaven. So you get there, it's going to be like, oh, this feels like home. This feels like our church. Yeah. Huh? Because the scripture teaches us all these ways to praise God, shouting. Come on, can you shout? Let's just shout, Jesus! Huh? A shout. A shout. As a matter of fact, it says that Jesus is coming back with a shout. I wonder what, he, I wonder what he's going to say. Boo! <laughs> I don't know what he's going to say. 
I'm back. I don't know what he's going to say, but he's coming back with a shout. And that excites me. It's going to be loud. But uh, where was I? So the scripture talks, oh yeah, Psalm chapter 150 that David describes to, how to praise the Lord. He talks about shouting, singing, uh, making a joyful noise. Those, that's for those of you that don't know how to sing. There you go. You got scripture to back your joyful noise up. All right. Well, I can't sing. Hey, can you be happy and sing terrible? That's called a joyful noise. There we go. Everybody gets to praise him. Everybody gets to. Everybody gets to enjoy. So we all have a voice, and God wants to hear from all of us. He wants to hear from all of us. But the scripture in Psalm chapter 150 says, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in the firmament of his power. I like the way that sounds. I don't even know what that means, but it sounds cool. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Now notice we didn't have actual harps up here, but we've got guitars. That's the new harp. All right. And I'm convinced if David could have had an electric guitar with some distortion, he absolutely would have had it. If that had been invented, he would have had it. But then it says, uh, then it talks about praise him with dancing and all these kinds of things. Then it says, praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. So you can understand that we're literally applying the scripture in this church. Always to praise God. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So, but the critical person finds reasons not to do those things. And, 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 and that happens by fault finding, right? Pointing the finger, looking at, well, I'm certainly not going to act like that idiot. And I would never do that in church. And well, I don't know what her problem is. And what's she so excited about? Right? But you have to guard against that, my family. Because the, the thing about criticism, it ruined Judas. It ruined him. The very last thing he did, the very next thing he did after this event right here, the scripture says he went out and he sought how he could betray Jesus. This was the straw that broke the camel's back for him. He was done. He was done with Jesus. He was done and you think, about, you think about, why would he get so upset about that? Why would he be so upset about that? We're going to put ourselves in, the room, in that room in just a moment. But then the next person this talks about is Lazarus. Can we bring up, what verse is, that, is Lazarus mentioned in? Two? Two? There they made him a supper, Martha served. But listen how it describes Lazarus. Lazarus was one of those who sat. Lazarus represents the passive attitude. He's the, he's the guy that wants, that's there to get entertained. He's come to the dinner and says, feed me. He's one who said, now think about this for a moment. Lazarus was dead for four days. And Jesus raised him from the dead. And we don't hear one word about it from Lazarus. If you were raised from the dead, would you not talk about it? Amen. You couldn't shut up. I was dead four days. Have I told you? I was dead four days. 
and Jesus raised me from the dead. But I was dead for, I would tell everybody that I came in contact with my story. Matter of fact, if you heard about that today, some guy had been dead four days and raised from the dead, and he's holding a meeting for people to come and hear his story, how many of you would want to go see and hear? I'd want to hear this guy's story. And he's not, he's not putting out posters. He's not, he's not inviting people on social media to his event to come and see a guy and hear a guy that was dead four days. We have words from Martha recorded in the, in the scriptures. We have words from Mary recorded in the scriptures. We don't have one word from Lazarus, the guy who got up out of the grave being four days dead. That's astounding to me. He is one of those who sat. How would you like to have that reputation? That's kind of ugly, isn't it? If somebody said of you, yeah, they're, they sit. That's what they're known for, sitting. I'm not necessarily saying that's the life Lazarus lived. I'm just saying it's kind of interesting that that's how it words it about him here. And that nothing was recorded about his testimony from him. One of those who sat, entertained me. I don't want to sing in church. You sing to me. I don't want to serve. I come here to get served. You're supposed to not get quiet. You're supposed to shout amen. Me, 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 and me. But kids in the nursery, kids in kids' church, all kinds of things, and don't lift a finger. No, I'm not talking about y'all. I'm talking about other people that go to other churches, so relax. You all are very faithful here. Most of you, I shouldn't say all, most of you are very faithful and good people. And this church, this church is, is, a, is what it is because of you. It is what it is because of you. And I'm grateful to God for your, your service here. Thank you. Um, where, where am I? Lazarus is one of those who sat. Oh, then, then, let's look what it says about Martha. Now, the men in this story, there's two men and two women mentioned, and the men don't look so good, do they? One's passive and one's critical. Then we get over to the women, and it's quite a bit better. I'm waiting, ladies. There's, there's, the, right there. Amen. Okay. Martha served, it says. Martha served. Martha served. Lazarus sat. Martha served. You can't have a successful dinner without someone being willing to serve that dinner. You can't have a successful church without people being willing to serve. I'm grateful for that. But Martha, though she is faithful at it and she does it well, there can be this tendency for those who are quick to serve and are always there to also develop a problem in their service, and that is to serve to be seen. Because we have another story by Martha, about Martha, where she came to Jesus. Remember, she was serving, fixing dinner. She came in and she said, Jesus, Mary left me in here to serve all by myself. Would you go tell her to help me? Right? Serve to be seen. And Jesus said, those who serve to be seen, they have their reward. 
here on earth, but they get squat there. We serve to be seen by men. Well, then men will give you praise. Men will say thank you, whatever. But that's as far as it'll go. But if you serve whether you're seen or not, because you understand that you belong to him. And in the end, this is all for him. So it doesn't concern you if men see you, if men notice you. You're not worried about that. God's faithful to me. I'm faithful to him. He's the one I'm doing this for. Right? And that kind of service gets rewards forever in heaven. I would rather have my reward in heaven than here on the earth. Amen? So don't worry about it. You're faithfully serving and you feel like nobody's seeing what you're doing. Hey, I know what you're talking about. Try pastoring for a while. All right? I know what you're talking about. Teachers too. School teachers, God bless them. Moms. Uh, Anyway, but but you you just can't let that affect why you serve or the level of service that you're willing to bring. Hmm? The scripture says, whatever you do, do it with your whole heart as unto the Lord, not in demand, knowing that the Lord is the one who's going to reward you. I don't know. Hey, I heard this message before you did. And it went all the way down in there. Because I like feeling sorry for myself sometimes. And God never shows up at that party. He never, I know, sweetie, I know. Being in the ministry is tough, I know. He never does that. He's, suck it up, boy. Yeah. He has the right to say that. I mean, he was crucified. Right. <laughs> Okay, you win again. Yes, sir. <laughs> then there's Mary. Lazarus came to sit. Judas came to criticize. Martha came to work. But Mary came to worship. This is, this is where all of us need to set our focus right here. Mary came to worship. They're all having this dinner. This dinner was in honor of Jesus. But Mary takes this thing to an extreme. All right? Let's have the setting for just a moment. Um, She comes in with her bottle of ointment. And Brian, can I borrow you again? Man, you're so good. All right? I shared a little bit of this with uh, uh, Wednesday night. And show them how, this is, this is how they sat back then and ate, all right? I like, I like to get back to this. I'd also like to get back to just wearing a robe. I don't, I don't think we've evolved, I don't think we've gone forward. Just a robe just laying around eating. So there, there they are, they're all around this, this smorgasbord, Right? And then walks Mary. And, the, and so she's not concerned about, she's not there to criticize people. And she's not even there to eat dinner, apparently. Because this is all happening during dinner, right? So she comes in, and she's got her very costly, what did Judas say? It's worth 300 bucks. Actually, more than that. 
a year's salary. And she walks over to Jesus. She bends down there. And one version says that she's weeping. She's standing behind him weeping. All right? Behind Jesus weeping. And so that might interrupt the, the, the dinner talk a little bit. Right? So imagine you're all sitting around dinner and all of a sudden, <laughs> all right, so, yeah. anybody else? So you go ahead and take a bite. And she pour, starts to pour this. And the scripture says that this fragrance filled the room where they were sitting. Everybody was taking it in. And then, as if that's not enough. I mean, you would think that that should be enough, right? Okay, Mary, all right, sit down and eat. Right? But she didn't go to the denominational church. <laughs> she didn't just worship at that level. We pour the oil and that's it. That's all we, that's all we do at our church. We, okay, that, we've made our statement. We love Jesus. No, she's one of them Holy Ghost people. And she's going to get weird now, Right? <laughs> So now she's, now, then she bends down. All right, the scripture says she bends down and she takes her hair and starts wiping his feet with her hair and kissing his feet. Okay. Can we all understand Judas a little bit now? Can we all, right? And the way the other disciples are thinking, they're watching this happen going. I think she's hitting on him. This is weird. A woman kissing his feet? Jesus, that, shouldn't you stop that? Matter of fact, the, the Simon, the, Judas' dad, uh, over in Luke's account, says, if, <clears throat> if this man were a real prophet, he would know what manner of woman this is, that she is a sinner. So not only is, is this woman come in Mary has come in to, to worship him, but this woman's got a reputation in the community, right? And you would think Jesus would go, whoa, whoa, no, 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 no. I don't want anybody here to get the wrong idea, okay? You just back up. No, he just let it happen. No judging, just letting it happen. And she's worshiping him, and she's weirdly worshiping him. And his hair's all full of oil. It's messy, he lets it happen. And then, and then Judas speaks up. <clears throat> Why is this going on? Why this waste? And then Jesus said, let her alone. She's kept this for my burial. But here's the thing. Mary didn't know he was going to die. She didn't know that she was anointing him for his burial. She had no clue. She had no idea that two days later, he would be hanging on a cross. Two days after this event, he was hanging on a cross. But there she is showing her love for him by her sacrificial giving and worship. And, and refusing to let what men would think about her stop her from extravagantly loving him. Thank you, sir. Don't let the opinions of men, don't let a critical spirit, don't let a self-serving service, service keep you from giving your all to him. Hmm? Maybe you'll sing a little louder next time. Hmm? 
Maybe you might try that Christian two-step when you think. Huh? Because they're not the one, they're not the ones that are receiving this. It's him you're giving it to. They're not the object of your affection. He is. Huh? He is. He's worthy. He's worthy of our greatest expression of love. Whatever that looks like, you're going to have to understand that when you show your love for Jesus, you are going to have critics. People are going to have an opinion about the way you go to church. How many? Twice a week? You go Sundays and Wednesdays? Man, don't you have anything else to do? You mean you go to church every week? Heather and I had this reputation among some of her family out in, out in Kansas. They're, 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 they're part of a, a very traditional uh, church. And they say, when they're talking about me and Heather, they say, oh, Eric and Heather are very religious. <laughs> they have no clue that we, we are hopefully far from religious. <laughs> but it's just the only way they know how to describe us. They talk in tongues and stuff. <laughs> they believe in healing. They believe in miracles. They believe in prophecy and the gifts of the Spirit. Oh, my God. They believe that all you have to do is believe the gospel and you're saved. They believe that God is good all the time. So that's all they talk about is how good God is. We get all kind, you get all kinds of things said about you. When you, you give your expression, when you show your love for the Lord. Because here's the thing. Others may not like it, but Jesus is going to love it. He's going to love it. And he likes the, you know what's awesome? He didn't ask Mary to do this. She just chose to do it. He didn't go, all right, Mary, do your thing. No, she just came in there and loved him. And he let her love him the way she did. He wants to see God has created you specially to, to, to be loved by you the way you love. Hmm? And just because others won't love the way you love, hey, that's, that's special. God wants you to love him how you love him. Okay? And so she gives this gift. And it's amazing that Jesus says she kept this from my barrel. She doesn't know. But this is the thing about God, what he'll do with your gift of love. He'll take it and take it to the extreme. He'll make it so much more meaningful and significant than you could have ever dreamed. He made it so noble. As a matter of fact, he said, this right here will be a memorial that will be spoken of for generation after generation after generation. Preachers are going to preach about this from pulpits from this day forward. One gift of love. One gift of love. And Jesus said, this is going to go on and on and on and on. Love is the gift that keeps on giving, apparently. It's beautiful, isn't it? Just understand that you will face critics. Love anyway. Give it to him anyway. Praise him anyway. Yeah. Amen. Amen. What can God do with that? Two days later, he's dead on a cross. Two days later. I just wonder, since that fragrance filled the entire room, that fragrance filled that. So this is, a pretty, this is pretty potent stuff, isn't it? Actually, it's about a day and a half. Because this is evening at supper time. A day goes by, and, and by the morning, that next morning, he's, on, he's hanging on a cross. Maybe not even quite a day and a half. That don't you 
think that there was probably still traces of that oil on his feet. And that as he's going through that brutal, brutal suffering, that every once in a while and all of that, when he feels like he's just going to give up, he smell that love. He'd smell that gift of somebody loves me. Everybody else is cussing at me, denying me, betraying me. But I remember somebody loves me. And God will take your gift of love and not only do something marvelous with it, but others can benefit from it too. Just as that filled the whole house where they all were sitting. So don't be afraid to love him the way you do. Somebody might need to see that. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. You have forgiven us all of our sins. Lord, what can we do in return except to thank you and to praise you and to love you and to show our love for you? By being willing to do anything, to be free in that love, so free from the fear of men, fear of our own selves, free from criticism, free from selfishness, free from passivity, but Lord, just, and that we would just abandon ourselves to this. And our hearts would swell with love, Lord, in such a way that we would be liberated in it. Liberated in your love. We understand that In this is love, as your word says, not that we loved God, but that God first loved us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you that you love us, not based on our performance, not if if we do good. No, you love us because you are love. You love us because you chose to. And you demonstrated that love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us thank you thank you for the gift of your son thank you Jesus that you did die for my sins and that you were buried and thank you that you didn't stay dead but God raised you from the dead three days later and now you are our priest, our high priest that has passed into the heavens and seated at the right hand of the throne of God praying for us right now thank you Thank you for being on our side. Thank you for doing what you've done for us. Thank you for making that exchange with us. That though we were dead in our sins, yet you became sin and we became righteousness. Though we were weak and broken and sick and diseased and in pain, yet you became wounded so we could be healed. Hallelujah. Though we, Lord, in many ways are poor, yet you who were rich, for our sakes became poor so that we through your poverty might become rich. Thank you. Thank you that no curse has any place or hold on our lives because you became a curse. The curse of sin and death is over. The curse of the law is over because you became a curse and we became blessed. Thank you for that exchange. and Thank you, Lord, that you, the Son of God, became the Son of Man, that we, the sons of men, could become sons of God. And in you, we find real life. In you, we find 
eternal life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for this moment now that you are helping people, Lord, in their situation, Lord. There are some of you here today who just, you need to repent. You just need to change your mind. You need to stop being critical. Stop being passive. Stop being self-serving and just surrender to him. Surrender your love to him. So just change your mind today and ask God to help you. Lord, help me. Help me, Lord, to not be critical. Help me, Lord. Thank you for giving me your grace and mercy. Father, we believe that today we've received something in our hearts that is going to help us, that's going to make correction for us, that's going to help us, Lord, experience greater love in our own lives. Thank you, Lord, for all these individuals here today. God, how you love them. And I pray that grace and peace be multiplied to them from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.